Welcome to Punk Frockers, a community sewing podcast brought to you by Jenny Hassler and Beverly Baptiste. Good morning, Beverly. How are you? I'm doing good, Jenny. How are you? I am doing really well. I am up and refreshed. And today we're going to go visit a chocolate factory. That's like oh, one of our plans for the, the morning. We're going to go get some lunch and then walk around a chocolate factory and, and take samples and have some dessert. That so, sounds fantastic. Yeah, it's going to be a great day. I was unexpectedly called into work at the store for East Fork yesterday Yesterday, we had had all these big plans that included a scavenger hunt that our apartment community is putting on and um, and a nap that we put on the calendar, <laughs> like scheduled. And um, but I had to work instead. So so today's makeup fun day is the chocolate factory. <laughs> That's awesome. That's How are great. you doing? <laughs> I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I um I got a. I, I slept really well last night. Oh, we watched um, Inglorious Bastards last night. Have you ever watched oh, yeah. that? I have seen that. Yeah, that was um, it. Was really good. I like I like these sort of alternate history yeah. movies, you know. And you know, one where you get to see the you know them really go after the Nazis is is good. Yeah, nothing wrong with that. It we nothing enjoyed the film for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I've been working on lately is I finally found, and I mentioned this before, but I found my pattern for sewing finally, what I'm doing. Like my process, not not a sewing pattern. I have lots yeah. of those. Um, but I discovered what was really slowing me down on sewing during the week is that I wasn't cutting garments out in advance. And okay. because of the way that our house is set up and how my sewing is set up here, I really have to cut out garments once my husband's awake because it's it feels unfair to turn on the bedroom lights while he's asleep and cut a garment out mm-hmm. near, near the bed. So uh, particularly um, because it's reasonable that he's asleep because we're talking about totally four reasonable. o'clock in the morning. Yes, a hundred percent reasonable. So what I'm trying to do is on weekends cut out a bunch of things so that I have options for things to sew up during the week. Because the other thing is, if I cut out like too much my my attitude towards different garments will change over time and so i might be sitting there going why did i cut this thing out i don't even want to make it and so i have to be careful about how i do it so right now i haven't sewn anything up i want to talk about yet but i have cut out five dresses and a jumpsuit and nice and so i'm i'm prepared to get through some more sewing and be able to to start sharing makes instead of plans cool well, I have something fun to share. Uh-huh. I made, for Jim's birthday, I made him a button-up shirt. Really nice one I've made before. Um, it's it, it's a great pattern. I love it. Um, it's just a little shy of, right now, There there's plans to expand it, but it's just a little shy of our limits yeah. here. But it is a great, great pattern. And I can't wait until it's expanded and I can talk about it. But I made him this shirt out of a uh, digitally printed linen. And then I, it was actually something I bought for myself at a New York trip a, a while ago. But then when I saw it and I thought, 
I think Jim will really like this. So I made him one. And then I thought, I need to have a matching thing. So when you and I were in New York City, uh-huh. I bought more of this. You bought some of the fabric as well. In fact, I you're wearing did. it right now. <laughs> um, and I made, so I made myself a matching dress. And we wore it out the other night. Unfortunately, it was an outdoor event in the evening. So people couldn't really get the full impact of it. Right. But um, we will be wearing them again because it is, it's a, that the linen is such a nice lightweight perfect for summertime linen and the the fabric is just gorgeous so it really is it's a beautiful beautiful fabric one of those digital prints from gray line and um i love it when you were buying it i asked if i could buy the same fabric because i didn't want to you know it felt weird but but i love it it's really really wonderful i got a lot of compliments on it the one i'm wearing <laughs> which we'll talk about in a future episode i wore out to see um to see the Meg two for the third time. <laughs> so, which I think is like the Meg six because the math works out, but we, mm-hmm. it was great because the blue of it really does. It's got a, like an oceanic, like a tranquil, sure, mm-hmm. uh, which obviously mm-hmm. a, a large dinosaur sized shark eating people is a very tranquil movie going experience as well. So yeah, very thematically appropriate. <laughs> so we have some new patterns to talk about. I the, love it. Start us the, off. Yes. The first one is actually very similar to the dress I made. Um, it is from Helen's Closet, one of my favorites. And it is the Lawrence Top and Dress. I love this. It is a, um, the, you know, you can do multiple things with it, but it is essentially a V-neck bodice. And it comes with one, two, three tiers. You can do different tiers. It also has an option for a ruffle, like a little ruffles cap sleeve kind of. Yeah. Um, and it's very similar to the dress that I've made. And you can make it in top, of course, too. Um, but it is a beautiful, I don't know, beautiful summer dress, I think. Yeah, I, I really like it. I like the little flouncy sleeve on it. And um I may have to think about this one. I maybe this is a good candidate for figuring out my dart placement. <laughs> it's it's very cute. I do like that one yeah. very much. So, um, and then I know our next one is Stay Stitches Malibu Top, which just right away is. I sent this one to you. I think when I found it yes. because it looks like something you might enjoy. It uh, it does avoid your your buttons and buttonholes. I know that's more me, but but it's one where you don't use it. It is basically a woven, it, to me, it looks like a woven top that would normally be buttoned down, but it isn't. Instead, it's got a twist at the waist where the placket comes together and it's twisted instead with no buttons and means it kind of comes up in a little bit of a re- inverse V at the front hem of the garment. It has two large flapped pockets on the front and cuffs on the sleeve and it has a stand and a collar. Yes. And so I think for me, this shirt would be worn like over a dress, like it would be nice over a summer dress. I, I have this one, like, I think it would be good over the yesterday. Yeah, I agree. That's what Um, I want. Yeah. And you could use it um, for longer. I think the shirt actually doesn't twist. It just catches in the bottom. 
Oh, that may be the case. To me, it looks like a twist, but it may not be a twist for sure. Yeah. When I look at the line drawing anyway, it looks like it's just pulled up kind of. Yeah. I don't know. It's really cute. cute. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. The next one we have is from Love Notions. It is the Tinley Short Skirt and Sport. So as usual with Love Notions, there's tons of of options with it. Um, It has four body styles, straight shorts, straight skirt, full short, and full skirt. And then there's bike shorts, and um, you can add those to either um, either of the skirt options to make it into a sport, which is... You know, yeah, it'd be fun too. And it's made for knit or woven fabrics. So that part, that's where it gets wild to me because I feel like there are differences, like that you shouldn't be able to use the same pattern piece on both a knit and a woven because they behave differently. Well, so here's the deal. I think for the under, if you're making the bike shorts, obviously that has to be knit fabric. But right, if right, you're right. Just making the regular shorts or the or the skirt. Um, it could be woven or knit because it has elastic in the back. Oh, that makes sense. You're right. You've built in some extra wiggle room there. I think they're cute. Um, they're not for me, not a shorts person, not really a short skirt person either, but, but I think they're cute. Yeah, they're cute. Um, okay. Yeah. The next one I saw and I just thought, so this is a, a mood pattern and it's a a free pattern from mood and i just think it's a it's a sweet little it's an oversized blouse with ruffles and it's basically got a it's a peasant top yeah uh, loose and flowy and it has um looks like an elastic or something at the sleeve but not the end of the sleeve so there's a little bit yeah um, yeah, that comes out at the end. And then the looks like there's a um, casing at the top that you put a drawstring. And it gathers. Through. Yeah. Yeah. And it's got, it's got buttons halfway down the front that I think could be easily omitted. But they've oh, done the yeah. buttons with the loops that go around Oh, them. yeah. I didn't even notice that. Yes, you could, you could leave those out. But they're, um, it is, those are nice. Well, and I'm thinking they used like a really ditzy floral for it, but yes. I could also imagine this in a lightweight linen as a solid where you would use solid buttons that match the linen and had the loops and how pretty that would be. Like, yeah. I think it works both ways. So I agree. Yeah, that was a really, really good one. Yeah. I love it. But because of our recent trip to New York that we talk about on our Patreon exclusive episode more thoroughly, I thought it might be fun to talk about what we do when we travel. Because we sew a lot. And I think we've both also done other types of craft a lot, which means when you're traveling, you either have a plan for how you're going to integrate that or you just, you take a vacation from your craft as well. And Mm -hmm, I think mm -hmm. people both at different times. But when I reflected on it, I thought, you know, I I went to London um, back in, my dad and I did a UK trip. We hit London and Edinburgh on the same trip. And we took trains everywhere. We rented a car briefly to go down in Wales to go to the Colinette Yarn Factory (laughs) and factory store to buy yarn because I was knitting a lot then. And I thought, well, what does that look like? Because we actually, we literally, we flew to London, planned to take trains everywhere we wanted to go. But I wanted to go to this factory 
that made yarn that was in Wales with no trains anywhere nearby. And so we rented a car in order to drive down and do this. Like that's how big the call of craft was, right? Was to actually take all this time out to do it. And it turned out where the factory was, there was kind of an older train station that was out of use. And my dad walked over and looked at it and had a great time looking at the history of the area while I was inside spending copious amounts of money on yarn. Um, but that was that was sort of one of my first vacation as an adult where I went off and and practiced my craft while I was gone. Like I brought mm-hmm. a knitting bag with me everywhere. We actually that was the year that the modern remake as a two and a half hour long movie of The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy was released. Mm-hmm. And our trip happened to be timed for while it was showing in a theater in London in a movie theater in London that was having a knit in for the movie because there was a scene in the movie that was done using articulated knit dolls. Mm. And so we went to this knit in at a movie theater in London while we were there, which was another way that I sort of took my passion for knitting and brought it with me on a craft trip. Now that, that was my start of how I vacationed with my craft while we were in London, I was also sewing. So we went, obviously, by Liberty of London and bought fabric, looked at fabrics. I had no idea, like, the quality level of it, because everything I was buying at that time was a dollar or two dollars a yard at a discount table somewhere. And walking in and being like, oh, my God, this is so expensive. Yeah. And- so I wonder, like, how that must have been. Like, like did you... So did you buy anything there? I did, but not much. Like I bought, yeah. there, there was a sale table. I bought a little bit on okay. a sale table and I, and I worked it into quilts that I was making at the time like that. Cause I was quilting more than garment sewing. Mm-hmm. And, but I had like, you had to, mm-hmm. you had mm-hmm. to, I was, my dad had bought this trip to London for me. This wasn't, I wasn't affording any of this. Mm-hmm. I, but you couldn't be there and not buy something. Right. right. And the Victoria and Albert museum was doing a textile thing and they had some little yardages you could buy. And I bought a little bit there as well and, and so on. But it was, it was that experience of it. But one of the big reasons we were there was I, my dad and I were going to a tartan factory in Edinburgh and ordering our family tartan which is not usually available off the shelf in order for me to make him a a kilt. And we, we placed the order for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of pounds for this tartan, which was later months later shipped to our home in the United States. And I used, um, I used a pattern that doesn't come up to our sizing um, for, for a, a genuine kilt, like a, a, a Scottish kilt to hand sew Beverly using a needle and thread in my hands, an entire kilt where I was using, I was, I was folding and ironing the pleats and pinning them in place and doing all Mm -hmm. of this to make this kilt for my father. And that, that was the purpose of the trip ostensibly was to Mm -hmm. go and get that fabric, right. That we could have ordered my phone (laughs) but but the trip was built around that and then my dad had this really amazing kilt to wear um for any events and things he did for the remainder of his life before it it got passed on to my brother did Um, he wear it much 
I've probably two or three times a year, so not constantly, oh, but wow, for the lot. next five years or so, it probably got 15 wearings. So you what know. about your brother? Does he wear it? He does not. Um, yes. I think he has it displayed, but he does not okay. wear it. Um, there was, unfortunately, my dad died of cancer and he, um, the cancer took a lot of his weight from him as he was, as he was dying. And there hit a point where he needed to adjust the size of the kilt, which is not terribly hard to do. It's hand pleated all the way around, but there's a flat center panel. And so if you're Mm going to adjust the kilt, you would cut it off where the, where the center panel is and the pleats start, take out the pleats that are no longer needed and cut. And then sew it back together there. And if you match the plaid very nicely, it wouldn't be overly visible. He took it to a local tailor shop that um, that cut the center panel in half and removed all of the width from there and then pieced it back Mm. together pretty well. I mean, they did a good job of matching the plaid, but it's still super visible. Like, Mm. it was the dumb... And if he had just called me, I I could have done this, but he didn't want to bother me. And so, and so it, it makes me sad to see it, which is why I don't have it. It went to my brother because I, I did not, because I handcrafted it. It would have gone to me, but, but I did not want to have, it made, just made me sad. And I didn't want to reuse it. I don't wear wool. And so it wasn't a good reuser for me. Anyway, that's sort of where I started with it. But then I realized that when I go on trips, I do look like my husband, even if we're doing a weekend trip to a city in the Southeast in the U.S., he's already looked up whether there are any fabric stores to go to. Like the way yeah. I found my favorite fabric store in Atlanta was we went on a weekend trip and he's like, here's eight of them. Let's go find out what's going on. And yeah. we would drive around and do it. And there's one down there that I haven't been to yet that I need to go to that's run by an Indian family that imports from India fabrics. And mm. I've just never gone and I need to need to make time to go buy that. Yeah. Um, we later went to Istanbul with my parents, and that was another place where in the Grand Bazaar in Istanbul, I looked and found fabrics to bring back with me. But again, I wasn't at a point where I was sewing for my body a lot, so I was looking for things I could incorporate into home decor. Yeah. Right? But there was always a reason to go and find the thing. Mm-hmm. Um I think Istanbul, that trip, we did a, a good swath of Europe on that trip. And I spent more of my time in bookstores because reading is another hobby than I did in fabric stores because of the nature of my sewing. But it was still important to me to find a way because it's like a souvenir, right? It's a thing that that if you do it right, you keep it or it triggers a good memory for you. And obviously our recent New New York trip was amazing. And again, I encourage you to join the Patreon and go take a listen to that bonus episode. And then finally, Atlanta is a place we used to go to a lot, and I still go to fairly heavily. Um, I actually picked up a serger there once when I was there. It was <laughs> something where I just spontaneously was looking at little shops, and I came across a serger and was like, oh, well, we're going to give this a go, <laughs> which is a terrible impulse buy, but it worked out quite well for me. But mostly I look for, is there a part of the city where you have two, or, like a larger city where you have two or three small garment shops? or fabric shops, a handful, so that I can go in and just kind of swoop in and see what's what. Yeah. In in my part of the country, I don't find as many garment clothing shops outside of very large cities. Most of them are Joann's, mm-hmm. which I don't really have a need to visit all the Joann's in the Southeast, um, or they're quilting stores. And quilting stores are hit or miss. Some are just purely quilt fabric, 
and some mm-hmm. are mostly quilt fabric, but there's a handful of garment fabrics. Yeah. Yeah. Which is what I'm looking for. Cause I'm not, I'm not a snob. I totally sew with quilting fabrics, but I have great quilting stores in my area. Yeah. Right. You don't I, need to find that other way. Yeah. I've already got wonderful sources. I, what mm-hmm. I don't have is sources for garment clothing, garment yeah. sewing rather. Yeah. Um, the other big thing is for me, when I've got a long trip and I'm driving, I'll sometimes bring a sewing machine and iron and a felt pad and, and I'll sew up stuff I've already cut out. Like that's mm-hmm. a way to use my evenings that isn't just parked in front of the television, hoping that they have Netflix. And if they don't, surviving through commercial television, which by the way, right now, it just feels like such an indignity to watch a commercial show because, <laughs> because I'm so used to them not having commercials. I pay for a service that prevents me from having commercials. Well, you know, that actually, that's interesting because Jim gets so mad when Hulu has commercials on the shows. He's like, yeah. oh, we paid for this. Yes, I know. It's mm-hmm. very annoying. There are a couple of them that make you pay extra if you don't want the commercials, like you have to pay to see them at all. And then you pay more for no commercials. And yeah, it's very, very frustrating. So yeah, it's uh, sewing on a trip can stop me from feeling like I'm wasting my time. Cause I'm one of those people who prefers my downtime to have some productive element. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, you know, when I was, when we went to um, Portugal, I brought a hand sewing project with me. Now, the only place that I went wrong was that I didn't bring the instructions because I thought this is easy. And uh, and I was wrong. I put it together wrong. Like I hand sewed it. I French seamed hand sewed Uh. it because it was fabric that would fray. It had to be there had to be finishing. And obviously I wasn't hand doing surging. So I uh, so I did French seaming on it and it was all put together wrong because the pieces were very, um, similar. yeah, very, very similar because they weren't tr- like a normal bodice shape. They were like rectangles and stuff. And right. so, um, I would have it marked better if I did that in the future, but I think having a hand sewing project is a good option. Yeah. Um, uh, if you like hand sewing, which I do. So of the places that that I've been, I did go to. Um, so I've got, I've got some things from New York. Um, I'm going to mention some of the stores that are good there. Yeah. Um, I like. So there's kind of two in big garment districts. There's kind of two kinds of shops. One that's organized well, and one that's not. And if you have any kind of mobility issues um or especially if you have um if you use a wheelchair or something there's a lot of shops that you just won't be able to utilize but if you so those if you're going to new york and you have those kind of issues i recommend places like mood and jmb fabrics and gray lines linen because you can get around in those stores pretty Mm -hmm. well um they're still difficult in that, like the like in mood, for example, the fabric is in rolls on top of each other, and so it's very hard to pull the the rolls out. You need a little strength there, but they will help you if you see something. I found they them to be hurt. very helpful. When you and I split yeah. up in the space, I was able. People were always coming by to say, "Hey, can I help you with the thing?" And yes. would pull them out for me to look at or feel up. So. JMB fabrics is interesting because all the fabrics are as samples and they have little paper cards on them 
So um, they're organized by, so basically it's like a file folder, but it just has like a piece of paper. And so it doesn't have the bolt with it. And they have all the bolts back in the store and the, the paper card tells them where to find it and all that stuff. So you don't go get the bolt. You just see the little, the, the swatch is about maybe 18 inches by 18 inches, you know, like a foot and a half, whatever, uh, half a meter by half a meter, maybe less. So it's a good amount. Maybe, yeah. It's like, it's enough for you to see what it is. Maybe it's 12 inches. I don't know. Anyway, it's, it's enough. And they have like at GMB, they also have, they have like a big selection actually of Liberty lawns there, but they also have a whole bunch of other fabrics. It's mostly fairly expensive fabrics. Um, you have to then find somebody you give the things to, and then they go back and get it for you. And they give you, you know, whatever, whatever ones you want, however much you want. Um, and so that store uh, is obviously much more organized. And then so um, interesting. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, I don't know why we didn't go there while, while we went to New York. Um, we could have gone there. It's mostly expensive fabrics. Um, next time. Yeah. 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 I mean, although that's where I got some of the things that you really liked of mine. I should have taken you there. I don't know why I didn't. (laughs) um but there's also this other style store and it can they can vary from extremely disorganized to moderately disorganized and in those stores basically there are bolts of fabric when i say bolts i mean on a circular thing like big big bolts of them and sometimes they can be um a couple of them deep and sometimes they can be a 20 deep and you right. you know you can't even see the ones in the back or whatever and a lot of times you don't know what kind of, they're not labeled right they generally don't have a price listed on them you have to ask the price and then there's like barred bargaining going on if you're a kind of person that likes bargaining you can do that um I don't enjoy that and also like I just want to even if you do bargaining if you just have a tag on there to tell me what the general price is because I'm not interested in buying a jacquard fabric that's a hundred dollars a yard like I'm not interested in that if yeah if it I don't know the quality of it I don't I don't want you to then offer me $90 a yard. I just want like, I just want to know the price range of what it is because I'm maybe looking for something that's $10 a yard. So obviously you're not coming down to $10 a yard. So it's kind of. Yeah. Understood. Yeah. So there's a couple of places that, that Ginny and I went that, that were good that I can mention that were reasonably organized. Um, and by organized, it just meant it, 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 they were reasonable to get around. And if you, I don't think either, I don't think either one of those stores would have fit a wheelchair in the, in the way in the through. But, yeah. yeah. But, um, if you can, if you're able, if you're walking, you could get through them. And one of them was called day-to-day textiles. We met a very nice man in day-to-day textiles um, and they had $25, um, six yard genuine wax yeah. Ankara, which was really nice. 
And I, I bought a really nice Navy cotton twill with like bubbles on it. And uh, Jenny bought some stretch velour in there. And it was, it was a nice shop, hot pink stretched velour. And then we went, there's another shop that's actually right next to Liberty Bagels called Moon Techs. And they have the same genuine wax and car fabric for $40 instead of $25 <laughs> if you want that. And they also had several nice fabrics in there. Um, so there's, with things like, I would recommend if you were getting something, it seemed like a lot of the shops had the same Ankara packaged yeah. fabrics. And if you're if you're getting that, like the six yard bundles, you should actually look around because there's different prices at different stores. Although I think you could go in knowing that Beverly could have gotten them for $25 and you could try to get that price at any store, like to say... Yeah. Yeah, yeah, maybe you could say like I think I want to pay twenty five dollars and see. Yeah, they might they might just give it to you for that price. That's a good point. And then there's several trim shops there. There are many trim shops there, and they have like all different kinds of ribbon and stuff. And some of the ribbon is like super expensive, like yep. you know thirty dollars a yard for ribbon, which is very expensive because you know, you need a few yards to go around something. Um, yep. So there's, there's all kind of fancy stuff like that, but there's also places that are more kind of at the, what I think is more like the retail level, um, with these organized stores that are kind of more for home sewists, I think, which is like, um, Pacific trimming and M and J trimming. Both of those have nice areas for buttons and for, um, Oh, like belt, belt oh. things and purse handbag things for the fit bindings for making those and stuff. Yeah. And also like ribbon and um, uh, bias tape piping. Yeah. Piping. That was the word I was looking for. And like all kind of stretchy things, elastic, yeah. all sorts of stuff in there. So um, anyways, there's lots of that. We also, uh, Jenny, went to the garment district in Philadelphia. Which we is, did. I'd forgotten that. Yeah, it's um, it's smaller than obviously than the one in New York, but there's also some nice stuff there. I didn't find like a mood equivalent there. I found more of the other no. type equivalent. Uh, but yeah. you got some nice stuff at that one place. I I did, and it's one of those where if you live in a part of the country where or the part of the world where you don't have access to a lot of home like apparel sewing fabrics it's it's really worthwhile to seek it out when you're in a large city because most large cities are going to have some part of town where you can buy from three or four shops some stuff that's more for their 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 garment couture sewing industry and just getting the experience of it is worth it even if you end up walking in and walking out with nothing because of price or because you can't find quite what you're looking for because part of it is it's just a random assortment. You're not going to be able to walk into one of these places and say, oh, I'm looking for a light blue and yellow check with, you know, in linen. That's what I want. Most of these places, you might at best have them go, oh, checks back there, back there. And then you, and then you go back there and see if you can find some checks, right? But yeah. if you're going into it like you would to a used bookstore or a flea market where your thought is, I wonder if I'll find anything cool, you're probably yes. going to do pretty well. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the attitude you have to you have to take with it, and it's maybe just like, oh, I could do something with this. 
um, yeah. instead of a specific thing. And yeah. And also a lot of times you're not quite sure what the fabric is. Um, yeah. But at least in Atlanta, um, they're happy to light it up and try and figure it out. Like they'll take a snip of it and burn test it for you and say, oh, oh, this silk, silk, or, you know, this is poly, poly silk mm. or whatever. Because the burn tests give you a pretty good idea of what yeah. your fabric is. And I would not be surprised to find that in New York, they'll also burn test fabric for you if they don't know. Yeah, we didn't, we didn't have that. Um, I asked about the one fabric and he said it was cotton. I believed him. So, yeah. Um, yeah. And then but I did have the, oh, go ahead. I was just say, but it's, but it's, it's that to me, the fun of it is the part where you don't know what you're going to come across. Like, yeah, exactly. I think it's helpful if it's divided a little, like my Atlanta one is kind of divided up like mood is. It gives you a general idea. Linens are basically here, but they could be blends too. You don't know. And yeah. <laughs> you know things like that. I, I like that better than just who knows what you're coming across. Like I like a vague amount yeah. of organization, but I don't need like Joanne where, you know, every two inches is a different brand fiber etc that that's fine i wouldn't argue with it but i i think part of the adventure is this is where all of our cottons are good luck like yeah <laughs> well and like um in in it mood there's like here's all the shirtings right and so yeah. you go through and there's like a million shirtings and you might not be able to see the one you that you would yep. have loved because it's under all these other ones but maybe you do and if you had a few days there, you might be able to do more, find but more. Yeah. I don't know that I needed to do more damage at mood than I did. Oh my gosh. So much damage, but so fun. <laughs> now the one, one other place that I went, um, when I went to Portugal, I did find a fabric store in Porto that, um, was really nice called Mundo dos Tecidos. I hope I said mm -hmm. that right, which is means world of fabric. And, um, I got this beautiful linen rayon blend. I think um, when I get fabric, usually when I'm traveling, except for New York City, because I'm going there specifically for the right, fabric. Right. But if, I, if I'm doing tourist shopping, I'm trying to get something that's going to be my souvenir. I used yes. to do this with yarn. Um, I didn't want to like go to London and buy a whole bunch of yarn. I wanted to buy something that's coming to make and it's going to remind me of London. Yeah. And the same thing with, um, with fabric. And that's exactly what I did in Portugal. I made that dress that I had drafted myself and I love that dress. Um, it's a beautiful dress. And so I think, um, I think it's kind of a fun thing to do to make your own souvenir. I agree. And I've done that in, with other crafts as well. When we went to Bermuda, um, I found a, a craft that was a doorstop. You provide your own brick. But it was a needle-pointed doorstop that looked like um, one of the buildings in Bermuda. And so you needle-pointed it up yourself and then sewed it into a doorstop. And it's it, it was what I could find because I'm always looking for something crafty when I'm traveling. Mm -hmm. And that was what came back with me as a souvenir there. Um, I've gone to the Keys before and brought back beautiful batik fabrics or um, embroidery or cross-stitch patterns that were designed locally and sold by the artists that kind of a thing because it's another it is another great way to find a souvenir that you might keep like you you might actually keep as opposed to yeah, like a, a lot of sort of talk to you get yeah that that mm -hmm. maybe you aren't as interested in long term 
Well, that's awesome. Guys, remember to tag us in your sewing souvenir photos. We'd love to see them. It's awfully fun to get that opportunity to access something you can't usually find and build a souvenir out of it as well. One thing I wanted to mention, um, for those of you who use our, um, our website, I have disabled the comments on there. We have been getting more and more spam and we get very few comments. I'm happy to um, talk about if you, uh, if you were to email us or to go to our, you can comment on our Instagram posts. If you're not on Instagram, you can email us and I will even met, I will read your comment on the podcast if you mm-hmm. like so that other people can see it. But some of them are, were getting to be not just annoying, but also pretty foul, <laughs> disgusting yep. kind of spam. Absolutely. So I decided that it was, it was not worth our, our mental health to keep reading them. So I disabled them. That's a great idea. Thank you for pointing that out to listeners. Mm-hmm. And while you're at it, visit us at patreon.com slash punk frockers. If you'd like to support the work we do here, we really appreciate you. With that, we will see, see you, you next, next Tuesday. Tuesday. Punk Frockers is created, produced, and edited by Beverly Baptiste and Jenny Hassler. On Instagram, you can find the podcast at Punk Frockers. You can find Jenny at J.O. Hassler and Beverly at Weeds to Wildflowers. Our artwork and music is created and performed by Jim Duran. You can find him on Instagram and his website at jimduran.art.